The next few psukim are really a repetition of what we saw at the end of Zephyosha. And it's just an introduction at the same time to what's going to happen in the rest of Zephyosha. So we're going to repeat what we've already learned. This was the, like a bridge to connect Zephyosha to what we're going to see next. And the Pasuk says, This was still in the lifetime of Yeshua, that he had finished dividing up the Nachal of Yisrael, and then he sent each Shavit to its own way, and they went to, each one went to deal with its own inheritance. Right. And then the Pasuk was repeated from the Pasuk at the end of Yeshua, and same thing throughout the lifetime of the Zakanim who outlived Yeshua, who lived after him. And the reason why these Zakanim were able to, uh, so to speak, keep Yisrael focused on serving Hashem is because they were still remnants of the Dar, they were still uh, people who had witnessed. The Nisim in the Midbar, they heard Hashem speak to Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore they had the necessary, so to speak, chizuk from then to hold up, uphold the standards of Klai Yisrael. So why was it Pinchot there? Hashem, again, it's a repeat of the Pasuk at the end of Yeshua. Yeshua, that's the age of 110. They buried him at the edge of his Nachala, which was in Timnas Kheres, which was north of a Hargash. We already saw there that there's no, there's no Hargash. There's no Hargash, which means a volcano. There's no volcanoes in Israel. But what happened was when Yeshua died, uh, Klai Yisrael didn't gather together to uh, be masked with him or to join in the Levaya as they should have done. And this already was the seeds of what you see was a problem. Kaisal each gone to the Anachala and Kaisal were each, so to speak, involved internally in the Anchelek. And therefore, even the tragedy, like the magnitude of Yeshua bin Nun, the leader dying, it didn't bring the whole of Kaisal together to be masked with him. And therefore, the Gemara says that Hargash means that Kaddish Baruch wanted to punish him. So the Gemara says in Shabbos that Shirash Lem Ahara Hargan, that there was, it would have been a volcano in Israel as a symbol of Hashem's anger. The reason. The reason why the place he was buried was called Timnas Kheres. Um, this is interesting. Rashi says that they, on his tombstone was engraved an image of the moon. And the reason for that was, the Kheres is another name for the moon, and the reason for that was because, or the sun, and the reason for that was because there were, it was the best testimony to the greatness of Yeshua that he was the man who had stopped the sun and the moon. And therefore they put an image of both the moon on his cover. What was the, the sun and the moon. The sun. Because uh, Yeshua was the one who caused them to stand still. So that was a symbol to his greatness. Um, just an aside, there's a big halakhic discussion if that's mutzah or not. Uh, if it's mutzah to yeah. make an image of the sun or the moon, um, there's a Gemara we learn in Rosh Hashanah actually, that's the one. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah that you can't let us you can't make an image of something which is so to speak, meant to be uh, something serving Hashem in the heavens. And therefore the Gemara says that it's also to make a surah of a sun or a moon. Um, the Gemara is talking about the fact that Ramon Gamriel made 
models of the moon. So ask the Aedim how they had seen the moon for Rosh Hodesh. And the Gemara asks on this that it's also to make models of the sun and the moon. Um, the Gemara's answer for Rabbi Gamliel is that he made it to teach with or to learn from, which would be different. But how would they explain over here by Yosha? Why would they make an image of a sun or the moon on his cover? And the person really answered this in this, I mean, I don't know what was on Yeshua's cover, but what the person can say is that with one or two answers. Either the problem is only something which is an applic- accurate replica, replica of the sun and the moon. Whereas if somebody just draws something like which we, we would look at as a sun, uh, a, a semi-yellow circle with lines coming out of it, whatever, however we would picture the sun, that's not a replica of the sun. It's past a symbol, which is like, you know, we know that means sun. So then something like that wouldn't be a problem. It's not trying to replicate or make an image of um, what was made by Mara. So maybe that was what they did in Yeshua's cave. That would be the one answer. The other discussion, another answer would be, is there a problem um, in, if it's in two dimension? You know, there's the problem of replicating the Shemashim Shabimoram only if one makes a model of it or something in three dimension. Whereas if a person would just draw it, it would be in two dimensions, it wouldn't be a problem. And we'll see that such a day as well. And if that's the case, and here also they could have... Uh, um, it says, They made it smooth of the cheres, they just drew it. It wasn't something which was engraved, so to speak. It was just um, drawn in two dimensions, in which case, they're going to those places, it wouldn't be a problem either. Why does the Lord don't think it's a request? Do we know today whether a cover is a new show? That same generation, the generation which had come out of the Midbar, the generation which are coming to Israel, they also will pass away. The next generation comes after them. The second, I didn't know Hashem. And also the the Ma'as, which means the Nisim, the different Israel. So the second part of the pasuk is understandable. The Dar who grew up in Eretz Israel had never been witness to the Man, had never been witness to the Sun and had never been witness to the experience of the Midbar, so they weren't, they didn't know the Nisim Hashem that were Israel. But the question is, how can they say Hashem? The, they definitely knew about Hashem. Their fathers, the, the whole Klai Yisrael had been serving Hashem, like we saw in the Pasuk before. It says, Klai Yisrael, Vayab, Do'am is Hashem. So it's not that the children wouldn't know about it. For sure they knew about it. Um, now, this, this is not the only time this kind of question is asked. Bayam is the really question in the Torah. It says, in the beginning of Hashemites, and then Chazal asked the question also. Yosef had been the national hero. Yosef had saved him from a famine, and it wasn't that long before. So how could it be that there would be a king who would come to rule Egypt? Of course he knew about Yosef. And so the answer is that it's a misunderstanding. I mean, even Chazal asked the question, but the answer that is you have to understand what the word Yada means. Right. If you're going to say Yada means didn't know about it, then it's not true in either case. Kaisal for sure knew about Hashem, and and uh, Para for sure knew about Yosef. But really, when when the Navi in the context he uses the word Yada or Da of Das, it means something else. And a very another example of this is David's deathbed message to his son Shlomo. So David's passing away. He's now he's bequeathing the kingdom to his son Shlomo. And he's giving him his final instructions at the beginning of Melachim. And he says, Vatal bini, da'is alakei avicha. Now my son, you should know the God of your father. So once again, it wasn't that he had to become acquainted with Hashem. David brought up Shlem to Nash, and it wasn't that he didn't know who it was. So we understand that da'is isn't just uh, knowledge of something. 
Das means connection to something. That's an, uh, another example of that, exactly in that context. Adam knew Chava. It doesn't mean that he knew who she was. And that didn't happen now. As soon as she was created, he knew who she was. That means he connected to her. And therefore, the word Das here means the same thing. The Parah who got up in Egypt never personally interacted with Yosef. So therefore, he didn't feel any obligation to him. When David Amalek tells the son Shem, Das is okay, it doesn't mean know about Hashem. It means connect to him. And same thing over here, when it says that Dar Chodesh Hashem, they hadn't had that experience of connecting to Hashem like the Dar in the Midbar. So of course they knew about it in an abstract sense. They knew there was a Hashem, or that that was the deity that the Chayesh will worship. But they hadn't had the experience of the Midbar, which gave them that level of connection which the Dar before that had. And this is an interesting point, because the Novi is going to blame, so to speak, the fall in Chayesh's level on this new Dar. Second, the Dar who didn't have the Midbar experience. And now it's an interesting thing, because uh, we're not talking now about Matan We're not talking about Yisrael Mitzrayim. That, that was an even earlier Dar. The Dar who witnessed uh, Yisrael Mitzrayim was a Dar who died in the Midbar. It was the children, and Hashem says, that will get up after you, they'll be the ones who come to Israel. So the Dar which came to Israel was the second generation, but even without Yisrael Mitzrayim, or maybe Matan Torah, they were little children, whatever it was, but the experience of the Midbar itself was something which stayed with them. The Nisim that they witnessed just by living in, the, in, the, in this environment of Anani Akavad and Naman and by being privy to what they saw in the Midbar, that already was considered that you knew Hashem and that kept them kept them from falling their, their, their whole lives. It was only the Dar after that which grew up in Israel and never had that experience of Nisim. Um, we married, they didn't have that same background, they didn't have that same prayer to keep them strong. Maybe this isn't really the right time to go to go into this topic because we're trying to end the nach. But as an aside, it's a it's a rule or something, maybe a, a principle we can see in chinuch, and that is each dar be'etzem what gives it its bit of its resilience or its koyach was what that dar experienced, what that dar had, and. Uh, for the parent door to imagine the children door will have that same level because they're just the next door of Israel. If they weren't witness to the same experience, they weren't witness to the same godless that the previous door was, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And uh, this is a general concept which falls into the general concept of Yerushadarus. But it's also under Ratis. He writes this in one of his early letters where he talks about the fact that he was bemoaning the fact that in his door people didn't have Yerushalayim what he thought Yerushalayim was before Rosh Hashanah. So yeah, Madin, people being judged, and he's not. He's not. He writes, he doesn't feel that people have the same trepidation, the same awe when they're coming to the Yemen they run. And he explains. He says, because we saw what people were like 50 years ago, and therefore we, it remains with us a, a reverberation of the pachat that people, we saw what people had. He said, but this story never saw that. So we can't expect them to have the same, uh, so to speak, ingrained Yerushalayim that the door which saw a different level of greatness had. And that's a, a, a self-perpetuating cycle because every door, by virtue of the fact that it's, that it's starting at a stage later, hasn't been experienced what the previous door was experienced. I mean, for example, let's bring it to more real terms, uh, people who witnessed the... people who had the opportunity to see the Chaznish, to see the Chafetz Chaim, whatever it would be. There were people we met who had seen the, the Chafetz Chaim. So... 
it's not just that. It was it was a different world. It was a world of uh, the, the yeshivas or the leaders of pre-war Europe. Was, uh, there was a certain, uh, let's say, background or basis that they had, which people growing up in the later door didn't have. And even if you take the door down, and then again, there would be a difference between the door who knew of Moshe Feinstein or Aaron Kotler, whatever it was, and the door after that. Now, the same principle that the Novi is saying here is, is, a, repli- is a, continuation, a continuing process. That's what David Meir tells Shem. Like we said, what David Meir tells Shem before he dies, he dies like a Yavicha. means he's telling Shlema that uh, you have to work on building that connection that to Hashem that, that's going to keep you strong. And as the fact that you're the son of David Amelech is not necessarily going to be a guarantee for your success. Right? David had the experiences he had and David had the Shmuel Anobi that he saw, whatever it was. So he had his foundations laid by the Gzalim he met in his youth. Shlomo never had that. So he tells Shlomo, you've got to do that for yourself. You've got to build a connection which is going to be, be something which will keep you strong. Achieve the experiences. But experience is a way to lead to a connection. So if you don't have the experience to learn, you have to build a connection differently. And that's what needed to be done. When, and uh, the, the, the process here is uh, unfortunately a self-repeating process which, which always lands up with the same problem. And that is, is what, what exactly what Dawid told Shlomo is what needs to happen in every door. Right? We can't assume that the next door will naturally take over our standards or our level just because they're, they're our children or they're our Talmudim. Right? On the country, we have, we have to understand what, what we have is based on whatever whatever we, we gained, so to speak, from a previous star. And unless the, the, the next star makes the point of trying to work on maintaining that, then by definition going to go a step lower down. They're not going to have the same thing. It doesn't come naturally. Just like if we go a step backwards, probably the same thing backwards. The dog before us probably thought the same thing about us. That uh, compared to what they expect, their expectations of what was meant to be, we fall beneath that. And what would their lesson to us have been the same thing? If you want to maintain the level, you have to work on it. It doesn't come naturally. Talking about the generation of dissipation, what we're going to see next, that's years later, but this wasn't what we spoke of before. We spoke of before about the hidden who didn't fight against the pockets of Goyim, of the Knaim who was still in their midst, mm-hmm. that was right after Yeshua died. Yidin that were not in the they were born after no, those, those Yidin who didn't fight against the, the, the remaining Knaim were those Yidin who were meant to conquer the land. So that was their mistake. Now the Novi is introducing a new problem. The door after that, that's it, that's it. who didn't just did not trace out the Knaim, but they fell dramatically in the level as well. So they have less of a connection. Right. Okay, so let's, let's see what went wrong. So this new door. First, they did what was bad nines of Hashem. And now we already seem drifting into our desire. We started worshipping the Baal. That's the first level. We will have to look carefully. It's a very interesting progression. First, it did Ra. We don't know exactly what the Ra is. It doesn't tell us. But then it brought them to worship the Baal. And then the third level. And wait to the Maris Mitzrayim. Then the third level was they left Hashem. They abandoned Hashem at the Maris Mitzrayim. And then the fourth level, by Yelcha Achrei Elohim, 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 Achrei Elohim,
And the fourth level was they started to worship other gods from the gods of the Knanim who were living amongst them. And that made Hashem angry. And now we go back to where we started from, it seems. Vayaz was Hashem. We repeated this in the previous Pasuk. Vayaz was Abal, which we already saw before as well, with Ashtaras. So the obvious question is uh, the Pasuk seems to be either repetitive or circular. Ashtaras is another kind of word desire. Right. Like the Mephashim Baydar over here. But the question is, what's the, what's the sequence that happened? Um, it started off making Hashem angry. They worshipped the Baal. They left Hashem. They worshipped other gods. They left Hashem. They worshipped the Baal. We seem to be going in a circle. Well, what's going on? So we'll see. Vayicharaf Hashem Yisrael. And Kosh Baruch gets angry with Yisrael. And therefore Vayitnam Biyad Shoysim. He puts him in the hands of... Shoysim means people who despoil them. Or they trample them by Yashoy Sois, and that's exactly what the, the surrounding nations did to them. By, and then that's the first level. And then the second level, by Yimkarim, he sold them, so to speak, to their enemy. And as a result, Klai Israel were now subjugated. They weren't able to stand up to the enemies anymore. And therefore, wherever they went, Kadesh Baruch was handed out to punish them. Like Hashem promised them what was going to happen to them if they didn't listen to him. And he married them, they were in a very bad position. They were very much oppressed. Everybody was sold as slaves? Not everybody. We're going to see that. Most times, only some of the Shvatim were different, but that were oppressed by whoever the oppressor was. Once or twice, it's a whole time. Shvatim. Most times, it was specific Shvatim. Okay. Now, the Mephoshim point out that the, 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 this Pasuk and the next few Pesukim are already an introduction to the Sefer. Of Shoftim, it wasn't talking about a specific incident, it was a cycle which repeated itself again and again and again. And uh, we can ask the question, obviously, if the benefit of hindsight not being in the situation they were in, but the obvious question is, if this is a repetitive cycle, why did I just keep thinking, making the same mistake? It wasn't like, like uh, in different centuries. It was one, after, one time after the next. Again and again and again, the same thing kept repeating itself. So we need to explain that. But if that's the case, now we understand what the Pesukim was saying before. Again, it says that Klai Yisrael, through Rosalind by Hashem's eyes, they served the Baal, they, uh, they abandoned Hashem, they worshipped the, the gods and nations around them, and made Hashem angry. And now, at this stage, we just talk about Klai Yisrael's Averis, but at that stage, Hashem punishes them. And then, after that, the cycle starts again. They left Hashem, they served the Baal. They went back to this, they would go around in the circle. Right? The cycle keeps repeating itself. It's indicative that the Baal is put separately to the, the gods of the other nations. The Baal was something different. We have to explain what the Vodazar of Baal was exactly, and why it was such an attraction. We're going to see throughout the period of the Melachim, until that the Baal was always the primary, so to speak, Nisayan uh, of Vodazar. Which was a, which is the reason for it. We'll explain what the reserve of Baal was and what it was, why it was something which Klai Yisrael was so initial in. It seemed like it was a stepping stone. Then from but, the then, right, but then, right. But then, points out over here, that was just the first step. And once the Klai Yisrael already worshipping the Baal, that was just the Mimela that ended up worshipping everything else as well. And again, this is a pattern you're going to see in the Nach and other places also. It starts with the Baal and then it goes from there to all the other reserves. Right, so we have to explain that. And now, like we said, and why did Klai Yisrael keep making the same mistake? And it says Hashem gets angry with them, 
and he punishes them, and then eventually he gives them into the hands of the enemies, and then it's in a very bad position. So what does Hashem do? Hashem sets up Shaftim for them, and the Shaftim's job was to save them, each one from the enemy which they were facing then. But, Chayashal didn't listen to the Shaftim. You know, even though we would think that being as a Shaftim had now saved them, and therefore he deserved their respect, or at least their gratitude, because he didn't listen to the Shaftim either. They disobeyed Hashem, they strayed from the path of Hashem, they didn't give them mitzvahs. And therefore, when Hashem gave them a shepherd, and that was the reason Hashem was with him and he saved them through the means of the shepherd from the enemies. As long as the shepherd was alive, call him a shepherd. Ki nachem Hashem ein akasam mipnei lechatzem b'derekayim, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu relented from the punishment because of the tzar they were in, because of the oppression. And here's the important point: there was never a proper tshuva. The reason why Hashem sent shepherd to save them wasn't because they did a complete tshuva. It was because in the, in the oppression they were in, Hashem felt sorry for them, so to speak, and mercy on them, and He sent the shepherd to relieve them from the distress that they were in. And because there wasn't a proper tshuva, Berega, they're no longer in distress. So really, they're going to go, they went back to what they were before. It's not nice to say this, but this is Mamish, the model of Paro. And Paro was in exactly the same position. Right? Hashem brings him a Makkah. He's, he's, he's either scared for his life or he's being very much uh, threatened by the Makkah. And in that position, he begs Hashem to save him. And Hashem takes the Makkah away, and Paro goes back to what he was before. And now, even though Paro, there was a specific dynamic at work, why it was like that. But at the end of the day, the real reason is, we don't see the tshuva. He didn't do tshuva. He, in, the, in the circumstances he was in, he begged for, uh, for a hatzal. He begged to be saved. Fine, he was saved. The makkah ended. So, but he was the same power. And that's the same process in the shaftim. That the, and that's what the Novi points out to us here. The reason Hashem saved him is, like he says, because Hashem felt sorry for them. He saw that they were yatsalamu'ayt. And it says, Because of the oppression and because of the suffering. And that's why Hashem saved them. And because of that, as long as soon as they were saved, so the cycle went back to itself again. There wasn't that uh, second point which they would come to a full trigger and uh, we made a, that would help them resist the temptation the next time around. But let's just explain the cycle. Maybe the next time we get to explain is why it was like that. Why didn't it do the full trigger and why the, the cycle kept repeating itself?